Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of Why the Muslim Woman. I'm your host, Abu Abdurrahman. I'm very pleased to be joined by my dear brother, Sheikh Nassim Abadi. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once again, we hit it. 11 in a row. Starting off with a laugh, a smile. Yes. And we try not to do it like it's, subhanAllah, it just, uh, it is what it is. We've got to accept it. We've got to accept the fate. The false starts, the early starts, the no starts. It's all, all it's happening. Boom. You've got to be on the board to Barakallah when we detect man to Alhamdulillah, this is the 11th and sadly, in a way, final. Final episode. We finally got there, Alhamdulillah. One thing that I wanted to do was check when we done the first one. It's second, what is it, a year and a half? Tech man. Let us know when the first one was, when we first recorded the first one, part one, there on our YouTube playlist. And for mm-hmm. our listeners, for our viewers, if you go into the description, you can watch the whole series on YouTube and also listen to the whole series on SoundCloud and our other podcast channels on Apple Podcasts and also uh, Podbean. So we'll get the first one, inshallah, when the date of the first one was. It's, it's probably a few years ago now. Not a few years ago, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, maybe. probably. 11 parts, we've spaced it out quite a bit. Yeah, for those that don't know, because of time, it's uh, it's always a bit hard. But Alhamdulillah, in the holidays, when we have a bit more free time, it's uh, something that we're able to do. Alhamdulillah, and uh, we can uh, come in and record, which we try weekly. Uh, but throughout the term, it might be a bit slow. Inshallah, Azza wa Jal, we'll try and keep the frequency. May eighteen, two thousand and twenty-two. Right, eighteen. So I was almost spot on to Very exactly almost yeah. a year and a half. Okay, Alhamdulillah, we're here. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, and this is. And it wasn't intended, subhanAllah, to be like that. It was meant, intended to be a lot shorter, subhanAllah. But, you know, when you have the ability to talk about some of these topics, you need to get into a little bit of detail. Even though I had some people tell me that they don't like listening to it because of all the negative stuff. Like, that, they, they're coming from a good place, not as in like no, any, I understand. Uh, a place of malice. They're like, I don't like listening to it because of all the bad stuff. But the problem is, unfortunately, this is the reality. And that's what, obviously, we explained to, to them and we had a discussion about that. This is the reality. If if we don't speak about the reality, who's going to speak about the reality? We're going to stay within you know, this uh, simulation of like lies that we live, and it's a problem. It's a massive, massive, massive issue. And uh, unless more and more people speak about the reality of these matters, then unfortunately it's just going to continue to uh, affect people's lives in a negative way. People are going to continue walking, like uh, continue sleepwalking into the the lies of life as it stands. And not realize the consequences until it's too late. So we hope, inshallah, Azawajal, that this is a, a means of benefit for any, us, our families, our friends, uh, the Muslims in Australia and all around the world, Ya Rab. Alhamdulillah, inshallah. Now we have mentioned many problems. I think we're going to mention one more problem today. Then we're going to finish off the series with the solutions. Mm-hmm. So inshallah, let's get straight Azawajal. into the final problem or issue or challenge and then straight into the solutions after that. The final consequence that we want to mention regarding a person that lives this type of life uh, follows the way that uh, is set up for the modern woman. Uh, from a Western perspective, it's very, very important that we remind as well, this is like from a, like a modern Western philosophical perspective. Other cultures around the world, uh, in the eastern parts of the world, still many parts in Europe and the like, uh, this is not a problem. There's still a lot of very traditional values, traditional understandings, uh, tradi- traditional gender roles, uh, what's uh, gender appropriate. They're still you know, very strong and intact. Um, but Unfortunately, because of the influence of the West uh, globally, then this is obviously becoming an increasing problem around the world. And since we live in the West, we have to do with this reality. And it's something that uh, we do with 
on a day-to-day basis. And if we don't, then obviously we're going to get sucked up by it. So from on top of the consequences that we've mentioned previously, from amongst the consequences of living like a or living like the concept that uh, the, is set up for the modern uh, Western woman, then unfortunately there are severe consequences in the hereafter. And that's something that we need to be very mindful of as Muslims, that we are always reminded in the Quran, in the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu that we're created for the worship of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. When you're created for the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, you know, this is the purpose, where are the results? The results are not necessarily in this dunya, rather the results are in the hereafter. So if you've done good in this dunya, alhamdulillah, excellent. Inshallah, you'll see better in the hereafter. But if you've lived in a way which is displeasing to Allah Azza wa Jal, it's not correct according to the standards and the guidelines that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed and the Prophet has shown us, then unfortunately there are severe negative consequences in the hereafter. And when it comes to the discussion about how we should be as human beings, how we should be as Muslims, uh, what is the right way of living, the matter of the hereafter is constantly lost. It's constantly neglected. Obviously, we live in a very atheistic life, we, uh, uh, a very atheistic world, my apologies. We live in like liberal, secular societies. And so there's no emphasis on religion in terms of a society as a whole. There's no emphasis on religion. And so it's a lot of do whatever you, you want, do whatever makes you happy, do whatever you're pleased with, etc., etc., etc. And the matters of halal, haram, sins, etc. are non, uh, non-existent. Even the wording that is now used, um, I, I put up a post once about... Uh, people committing suicide. And so someone sent me a message saying, don't say the word committing suicide. You know, this is uh, what they're being taught. Don't use the word committing suicide. Use the word, you know, they took their life or whatever. So when I done a very, very, very quick Google search as to why don't they want you to use the word committing suicide nowadays? And it was very simple. Popped up like first Google search that uh, they don't want you to use the word committing. Why? Because committing is usually used in terminology when you're speaking about a sin okay they committed fornication they committed murder so it's usually to do when you're talking about a sin and so they don't want suicide to be looked at as a sin it's just uh it's an unfortunate event that happened okay so they even want you to change the words that are used so it doesn't sound as bad okay and this is something that the prophet you know told us about haram where they'll change the name of the haram uh, as if to say it's, hard, like in, it's not fornication, it's making no, love for As example. you know, the principle, changing the name of things doesn't, doesn't change the reality of it, correct, does it? Correct. And if you're making love, uh, that doesn't mean you're not fornicating. Now I'm committing adultery. You know, it's a lot of mistaken, but it's a, it's a problem. For um, the concept of the hereafter and the consequences that a person has for his actions in the hereafter are always neglected. For us as Muslims, no, 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 this is something big. The, Prophet, uh, the Quran tells us alone. That the day of judgment is like 50,000 years. For the evildoers, for the hypocrites, for the disbelievers, the day of judgment alone is like 50,000 years. Alone. For the believers, no, it's not that long. For the righteous, it's not that long. Mm. But for the disbelievers and the evildoers alone, 50,000 years. We have a big problem here. If you were to live for 100 years, 100 years, in any which way you wanted, the hardship of the day of judgment, you're already in loss. If you lived 100 years in luxury, and then the day of judgment, 50,000 years, you're already down 49,900 years. Like you're already in loss. You're already in negative. And this is not even hellfire yet. And that's not even hellfire. Hey, you've got, ayyadhan billah, the hellfire. Yani the hellfire in the, in, the day, in the paradise and the hellfire, one day is equivalent to a thousand years in this dunya. So again, if you were to skip the day of judgment and go into the hellfire straight away because of your bad actions here, and you only to be there for one day, just one day, not a thousand years, not a million years, 
Just one day you're, you're going to be there. You're already down, again, 900 years. This is a big problem. Before that, you even you know, before you even get there, you've got the grave. You've got the grave. People have died a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, four thousand years ago. People have died a long time ago. Allahu alam, how long it's been since the you know the first generations that those people that have died now they're in their graves. From amongst them are those that are being rewarded in goodness. Others are being punished with bad. And just those people, if they were to, again, if they lived five hundred years, a thousand years, but up until now, the Day of Judgment still hasn't started. But their hereafter has already started. So if they've if they done bad, again, ask yourself, was it worth it? So this concept of how it will be for me in the hereafter is something very important for me to constantly remind myself. The Prophet you know, one of my favorite hadith, where it will be uh, a person who lived the most luxurious life. He lived the most luxurious life, but he was from the people of the hellfire. The Prophet said he will be dipped once in the hellfire, and then he'll be asked, have you seen any goodness ever? He'll say, no, but Allah, I have seen no goodness ever. He lived the most luxurious life. It could be potentially, potentially, people that have multiple houses around the world, private jets, private yachts. They have billions and trillions of dollars. They lived the most healthiest of lives. They enjoyed the most women. They done whatever they wanted. They lived the most luxurious of lives in this dunya. One dip in the hellfire, made them forget everything that they had from good to the extent that they said, by Allah, we've seen no goodness ever. And the person who lived the most wretched life in a worldly sense, but he's from the people of the paradise. He will be dipped once into the paradise and asked, have you ever seen any bad ever? And he'll say, no, by Allah, I have never seen any bad. So one dip in the paradise made you forget all of the bad and one dip in the hellfire made you forget all of the good. This is a very important concept when we discuss these matters for a person to really put things into perspective. That when I do something wrong by my religion and I'm going to be held accountable for that, is it going to be worth it? When I'm on the wrong side of the halal haram discussion, I'm on the wrong side. I get resurrected. I get judged. If I get to the hellfire, am I going to be happy that I lived the way I lived? Am I going to be happy I neglected what I neglected? Am I going to be happy that I followed ways other than the sunnah of the Prophet Am I going to be happy? You're going to regret every single millisecond that you're in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we speak about consequences, there are many in this dunya that we speak about, like lack of marriage, uh, divorces, unraised children, unhappiness in women. We speak about that a lot. These are worldly. These are worldly. The reality is, yani, it starts here, it ends here, generally speaking. Generally speaking. But when you start to discuss whether those matters or others about the haram, a person lives in a haram way, she doesn't wear her hijab properly, she can't pray properly, she has to travel without a mahram, she has to try and pick fatawa that suit her modern lifestyle, she has to you know, intermingle unnecessarily with men, etc., 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 then you start to tread very dangerous water. And if, ayyadhan billah, you're found guilty by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then a person is in a very, very, very bad place in the hereafter, and they will not look back and say, oh, alhamdulillah, at least I achieved this amount in my life. Alhamdulillah, at least I got this degree. Alhamdulillah, at least I traveled to this many places around the world. Alhamdulillah, i done this, and now the hellfire is worth it. Never. Never. The hellfire is never worth it. So we need to be very, 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 very cautious and careful when we live a certain lifestyle, what consequences that breeds. In this dunya, if a person wants to say, I don't care in this dunya, I would say, yeah, no problem. Live however you want to live. But these consequences translate to consequences in the hereafter. And that is the, ayyadhan billah, most scariest and detrimental for a person and their well-being. Uh, let's be straight out. You know, we are swimming against the tide, as they say. 
because you know the principles of life today is do whatever you like as long as you're happy just do it have fun you're only going to live a short time you know basically getting you to not even think or comprehend that your life's going to end and there's going to be consequences so as a Mus- as a muslim we have to remember that the next life is really where true life starts the eternal life and that's going to be part of the solution inshallah Excellent. Let's get straight into the solutions, shall we? Thank you. The solutions, uh, I'm going to apologize before we even begin for the people that were expecting, like, just like we've done 10 episodes on some of the bad stuff, uh, that they were expecting 10 episodes uh, for the solutions. It's actually not as hard as people think. And this is something very important in Islam. Islam is simplified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam is not hard. Islam is not difficult to understand. One of the most beautiful aspects of Islam is that everything is given to you on a golden platter. Some people, billah, the, those that are philosophical in the corrupt sense, they actually have a problem with the simplicity of Islam. They say, no, no, Islam can't be this simple. For us, it needs to be a lot more challenging, a lot more, we have to do a lot more mental gymnastics. And so this maybe is for the layman. No, this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted it. Because Allah is merciful and Allah is kind and Allah is generous. If the average person cannot understand the basics of Islam, then how can Allah azza wa jal hold, hold him accountable on the day of judgment? Yeah, and you're right now, for example, you get, you get to a kindergarten student and you give him a HSC exam. Who on earth would say that that was fair? And they failed. Sorry, mate, you failed. You're jobless and homeless for the rest of your life. Like, no, hold on a second. That's not fair. You have to give him that which is according to his level. Get the average uh, human being, get the smartest, get the, the, you know, the most simple of them, and they can understand Islam. They can understand Islam. And this is, again, from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Islam is very simple. Allah did not try and get you to figure out what it need, what it means to be religious. Allah did not try and get you to figure out how to worship Him. Allah has made it very simple. Do you testify that there's a creator, a sustainer, a provider, someone that uh, created you for a purpose? Do you believe in that? Yes. Beautiful. Once you believe in that, I'm going to show you how to worship that Lord. I'm going to show you how to worship that creator. He sent the Prophet ﷺ. Everything is explained in so much detail on how to worship Him. From the literally the moment that you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep, and even when you're asleep, there's a way to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you go to the bathroom, when you are intimate with your spouse, when it comes to the food that you eat, the clothes that you wear, the, the words that you say, everything is mentioned to you in detail. It's a complete way of life. Complete way of life. So the first solution, again, it's very simple, and that's why we're not going to go into a thousand episodes about it. The first solution is to follow your religion. Learn your religion and follow it. And believe me, I know how broad that is. And we purposely said we want to keep these, these solutions very broad. Why? Because they are overarching principles that you apply in your life. You need to learn your religion and implement your religion. When a person says, okay, we learn my religion. What, what do we mean by learn your religion? We're not saying go and study Sahil Bukhari for you know, three and a half years. For you to understand what it means to implement your religion. Beautiful. If you can, amazing. Go do it. Believe you remember me, you're our, uh, Sahil you're Bukhari not, lessons. You're not going to regret it. I think one of the best moments we had in Egypt was studying Sahil Bukhari with one of our Sheikh there. Remember that? Fatah al Bari? This is beautiful. Uh, I don't like talking about it because, well, I miss it so much. And I, that we, was, I yesterday happened. we were talking about it, and I said one, the, of, the one of the reasons I hate a certain individual, uh, yeah, obviously we can't say who it is, is because we had to leave in, uh, Egypt. Because of that alarm stand. But uh, yeah, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. Um, when it comes to you learning what it means to be uh, religious, your day to day life. Your day to day life. What's the Islamic 
instruction on your day-to-day life. For example, uh, let's just give an example for a man and then we'll get to a woman, inshallah. No. Okay, so you want to wake up in the morning and you uh, uh, want to get ready for work. Okay, when you wake up, what should you do? Okay, it's very easy to research, very easy to ask. When I want to eat in the morning, what should I eat? There's certain foods that are halal, certain foods that are haram. Okay, no problem. What's haram? Like you can't eat bacon, etc. No problem. I'll eat anything else that's halal. Beautiful. Jazakallah khairan. I want to go to work. What are halal jobs? What are haram jobs? I want to get dressed for work. What's halal? What's haram? Uh, you know, appropriately speaking, when it comes to uh, getting dressed. When I'm dealing with people, uh, how should I speak to people? Uh, if I'm doing business, how should I conduct my business? What's relevant to you? Just ask about it or research it. It's not hard. It's not hard. Now, again, it's not going to take you 17 years for you to come up with, okay, this is how I need to be as a Muslim. It's very, something very, very, very basic. The things that affect me in my everyday life, learn them, ask about them, read about them, and inshallah, Azza wa Jalla, will be very, very, very simple for you. From a woman's perspective, the same thing. Okay, I, I want to wear hijab. No problem. Excellent. Let's learn how to wear hijab. I guarantee you, over 90% of our sisters do not know the conditions of hijab. And that's very, very, very sad. Because you not fulfilling the conditions of hijab could very well mean that your hijab aslan is not accepted and you're sinful, ayyadhan billah. And this is something very dangerous. Why? Because we're not talking about a small number. We're not talking about a mistake. We're talking about something which is purpose, purposeful. Yani in salah, you can't pray without wudu. You can't pray without facing the qibla. You can't pray if it's not the time for salah. You can't pray if your awr is not covered. If a person wants to do it on purpose, you're actually sinful. If a person on purpose faced other than the Qibla, inshallah he read Surah Al-Baqarah, his prayer is not only incorrect, meaning it's invalid, and it's not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's also sinful. Because he, he has purposely gone against one of the conditions. So if we talk about hijab, for example, as a Muslim woman, we talk about hijab, and you're purposely showing things that need to be covered. Purposely showing things. And I'm not talking about the discussion of should the face be covered or not. This is one discussion, but even on, even on the opinion that your face and hands can be covered. No one said your shins can be showing. No one said your forearms can be showing. No one said that your neck can be showing. You're purposely doing this. Okay, or wearing tight clothes or beautified clothes or perfumed clothes. This is a problem. You're purposely going against the rules of hijab and you know that it's wrong. You know, you're not even a scholar, but you know it's wrong in every sense of the word. You know it's wrong Islamically because you know, you're not allowed to show it. And you know what's wrong in terms of what you're trying to fulfill because there's beautification in it. You know, you're trying to make it more attractive. Mother. Hijab's not there to make you more attractive. You know, fire, tabarakallah. No, that's not what it is. When you put those fire images, remind yourself of the hellfire, Allah, you <laughs> What's going on? But the reality is that people are doing it. It's not hard to learn your religion. Learn your religion and implement your religion in terms of raising your children. What does Islam say regarding raising my children? How should I be as a mother? What attention should I give my children? What rights do I need to give my children? What responsibilities do I have? What, uh, what morals and values do I need to instill in my children? How much time should I spend with my children? These are very important matters. When it comes to any you know, fun and games and play, what are the guidelines regarding what I give my children? These are, these are things that are very important. They me as a wife. What does Islam want from me as a wife? How does Islam want me to be as a wife? What are the rights of my, uh, of my husband? What are the rights of me uh, upon my husband? Of myself, upon my husband, uh, what is right and wrong in terms of the way I dress and speak and interact with yani, strange men, yani, uh, non-mahram non men. All of these things, yani, it's not hard to research. And there are many books. 
whether you want to take like a it's like a nice book uh, for bigger reading uh, how a Muslim should be in general like Minhaj al-Muslim for example or you want to pick up a book like maybe more specific to females yani the idol Muslim for example or a person wants to yani go and read other books and there are so many and I'm a big layman when it comes to what's available uh, in the English language but I know there are books on raising children there are books many. on, yani, uh, on marriage there are so many books on how a person should be and then Alhamdulillah as we've mentioned so many times there are so many mashayikh teaching Yani, all around and if a person can't get to the mashayikh there are so many lessons online if a person can't get to yani, uh, people online just get information that you want online there are so many mashayikh that you can contact and alhamdulillah they're available for, yani, for your questions and discussions etc yani, there's so much available that a person doesn't really have an excuse to say I don't know or I didn't have the, the ability to learn when you learn your religion and you implement your religion these things go away Sheikh Nassim, what I'd like to add on to this beautiful discussion and the points that you mentioned is, is, is what really Islam means, which is to submit. To learn our religion, to implement our religion, we really must submit to everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to do in the Quran and Sunnah. And it's really, really, submission is very, very important. Because many a times we may know, but we don't submit. We just, it's just passing knowledge. I know, I know, but I don't implement. So we must submit and surrender to what Allah wants from us. And this is Islam. This is the meaning of Islam. And it's Islam in Allah. To, to submit and surrender yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he has ordered you to do this. And you're a slave. And you're a servant. And you're honored to be his slave. And you're honored that Allah is your Lord. This is a very important meaning that many people do not ponder over and think over. You know, many a times today, people today are following their desires. They're following unrestricted freedom. As a Muslim, Allah has, alhamdulillah, set our way of life for us. We should be honored that Allah is our Lord. And we should be honored that we are slaves of Allah. And therefore, submit and surrender to this way. And this is the ticket to Jannah. If a person finds themselves struggling to implement their religion, then you need to go right back to ground zero, which is what you mentioned, and ask yourself, what is the relationship between, my, between Allah and myself? What is that relationship? Am I his slave? Do, am I accepting him as my master? Do I truly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do I truly believe in Islam? What is what are the obstacles holding me back from implementing the religion? You really need to go back down and look at the the ABCs of your iman. And this is uh, on Tuesday we were talking about this um, in the if you see a, uh, an evil lesson, and we we're talking about some of you know, the the methods and techniques on giving dawah. No. And one of it is going back to literally the ABCs of how you would speak to a river or how sorry how you how you would speak to a non-Muslim. How would you speak to a non-Muslim in the da'wah that you'd give a non-Muslim? Unfortunately, many of us, because we were born into Muslim households, we actually neglect that very essential foundational matters, or the very foundational essential matters when it comes to, am I a true believer in Allah Azza wa once you, once you get that concrete, then inshallah Azza wa building upon that becomes very easy. Building upon that becomes very easy. But if you have a very uh, weak, fragile foundation, when you try and build on it, it crumbles and it falls. And we're so speaking about you this, need to get, definitely need to get back. We've to been that. speaking about this the last few days. When you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. When you have solid foundations, principles, and that's really the true manhaj, the true methodology that you are following, and you believe in it, and you live according to it. When these tests and trials come, you're like a firm tree, in the, in, in that's planted with firm roots. The wind will come. You'll stand firm. But when you're shaky, when you what do they say? You know, wishy-washy? Is that what they say? Yes, sir. Then you're just going to side to side and even seek Allah's protection be uprooted and destroyed.
So we seek Allah's protection. Amen, ya Rabbi. Moving on to another solution, or we find, or we yeah, still th- got this, more. This one is this one is the clearest one. Believe me, if you're ever confused, if um, is what I'm doing right or wrong, just ask yourself what does the religion say. It's not hard, and don't look for dodgy fatwa. Just actually, maybe we'll add on that point for you to take of someone, for you to take knowledge of someone or a fatwa of someone, you need to believe that they have knowledge of what they're speaking about. You need to believe that they're knowledgeable enough. Number two, you need to believe that they fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Number three. You need to believe that they're trustworthy. You know, the fatwa that they're giving you, you accept that, you know what, this is a correct fatwa. If a person, if we just go over the three quickly, if a person, like, it's like, oh, my auntie told me that it's okay. Or with all due respect, did your auntie study Islam? Or my grandfather said it's okay. With all due respect, did your grandfather study Islam? We're not talking about religious people. A person can be religious without being a scholar. That, we're not talking about a abid. We're talking about a alim. A person who has studied the religion, understands the principles of the religion, and can apply the religion properly. Believe me, and I'm sure Yanni, you have come across this much more than I have. The amount of people that are so willing to speak about the religion without knowledge is unbelievable. Even those that think that they're uh, religious. If you have not studied officially, properly, when I say officially, not I'm t- talking about just having a university. If you have not studied properly from the sources of knowledge, which is like the Mashaykh and the Ulama, then please refrain from speaking without knowledge. You can regurgitate, no problem. The Sheikh told me that the Prophet said, is a trustworthy sheikh? Yes, you can repeat that hadith. The sheikh told me that this is halal. The sheikh told me this is haram. No problem. Pass on the knowledge that you were taught. No problem. But don't come up with your own conclusions. Very dangerous. So if you know a person hasn't studied properly, then you can't take their knowledge. Someone who's, it's clear that they don't fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's clear. Or the level of Allah Azza wa or fear of Allah Azza is not where it should be. You need someone, they don't wear hijab properly. They free mix with men. They shake hands with the opposite gender. They uh, take dodgy fatawa, like, oh, music is halal. Traveling without a mahram is halal. It's clear and obvious that this person is not trying to choose that which is followed by the vast majority of scholars, vast majority. It's like they're picking and choosing what they like from the religion and what they take from each scholar. They don't have set principles. How do you come to that conclusion that something's halal or haram? What are your principles? Are you a person of ijtihad? If you are, what are your principles? They just follow, uh, this sheikh said this and this sheikh said that. Okay, is he your sheikh? Why don't you follow other opinions that he said? Or is that your madhab? Why don't you follow the rest of the madhab? It's just picking and choosing. That's a big problem. Or you don't feel that they're trustworthy. Maybe, you know what? Uh, maybe they do have enough knowledge. And maybe they do fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what you can see. But in terms of their answer to you, maybe you thought, you know what, man? That didn't seem right. Like, you have some people, because they like you, they'll try and find a way out for you. Okay, but was that way out an Islamic one or was it an Islamic one? They gave you a fatwa not knowing the proper circumstances. You know they didn't understand the full story. You know that. They didn't understand the full story. But you asked them a certain way and you got the answer back. So it might not just be that they are not trustworthy, but that the fatwa was not honest. So you tell them, oh, Sheikh, um, if a person has no other choice and they need to take riba, can they take riba? For example, and you may say, uh, the, the Sheikh says, yes, of course. If a person has no other choice than they're in need, can they take river? Yes. For example, then you come back and say, oh, the sheikh said I can take river. Hold on a second. The sheikh said, if you have no other choice, do you have other choices? Yes or no? And what are those choices? Oh, yeah, but it's going to be a headache. Oh, but is it a headache which is okay? It's acceptable. It's, it's, you're able to handle it. Then you have to take that halal choice. Not just a matter of convenience. Oh, this is just easier for me. So anyway, so sometimes you ask a question and you get an answer in a certain way. The sheikh couldn't be honest with you because you weren't honest with him. 
to explain the, the circumstances. So he may be a knowledgeable person, he may fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the, there was a lack of honesty in the answer, whether it was from him directly, like he tried to find a way out for you, like a dodgy way out, or the circumstances, he misunderstood the question, or you didn't ask him correctly, etc. And you know that. You know it doesn't feel right with you. That's why he said, it's qalbak. Ask your heart, as the Prophet said. You know it didn't feel right, be very, very careful with that. That's for learning your religion and implementing it. The second is uh, understand what the corruptors want. The people that want corruption, the people that are pushing these agendas, what do they want? Uh, one thing I've always had a like a love for is like understanding why are things the way that they are. Yani, if you want me to follow this particular pattern, you want me to follow this particular order, why? Is there a benefit to it? Is there a wisdom behind it? Why is it that you just want me to follow it like that? And I've never liked any complete blind following. It's uh, For me, it's always been a bit of an issue. Okay, If you can justify why I should blind follow, no issue. So for example, if you tell a child who's five years old to get a bed at this time and to eat at this time, and he comes to you and says, oh man, my, my dad, my mom wants me to do this. I don't want to do it. We say, have you blind follow your parents? Why? Because it's your parents. So you have to. It's not up to you. Okay, so there's a reason why you're blind following. But if you talk, for example, uh, a person, okay, stand here, like he's an adult, stand here for three hours, okay, and he just does it. And then go and eat noodles, yeah, for 20 minutes, and he just does it. And then, okay, go put on a blue shirt, and he just does it. To me, okay, hold on a second, like, are you questioning? Are you asking any why it should be done? And he, there's times where you blind follow, no problem. But then there's times where you you need to ask yourself why is it done like that? People that you really trust, people that you that you really like, people that you uh, believe that have your best interest at heart, etc. Yes, of course, a blind following is a big thing. But when it comes to life and decisions and how things should be, uh, if especially when you're saying that there's consequence at the end of it, ask yourself why is it like that? Why do movies all follow? The same pattern. The same. For example, one of the beliefs in of Al Sunnah is always, uh, in terms of the six pillars of Iman, is always in, you always have to include Al Qadr to believe in Al Qadr. Okay, to pray destiny. Everything's uh, written by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu Wa knows everything, etc. Why in every single movie that you watch, they always tell you, you know, uh, there's no such thing as fate. You know, destiny is what you make. You know, you're in charge of your own destiny. Like all of these things, like. I mean, every single movie, every single movie, it's like, no, 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 hold on a second, there's no such thing as Qadr. It's always, it's always up to you as a person. Like, these people are like, fool, Ahl al-Bidah. Have ever told you that I studied media? Uh, Qadr, yeah. Have I told you I, I started the course on media and television? And they, they include what you just mentioned about script writing and filling in slots and all that kind of stuff. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why I was laughing, because I was remembering that, that moment. Like, what, what, are, what are they trying to achieve here? Like, my belief says one thing, and this is completely different. Why? Why, why is that the case? Okay? Why am I accepting in terms of what they're pushing? Why, why am I accepting that um, fornication and adultery in movies is fine? And every movie... Normalized. It, it, it's yeah. normalized. Why am I accepting that in every movie that I watch, my, uh, the children, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, 15 years old, wants to do something completely incorrect? And the father's the bad guy because he wants to stop the child from being incorrect. And then at the end of the movie, the father becomes the good guy by accepting what the kid wanted. Why are these things promoted? 
What do, what do they want from me? Why is it promoted for you know women to be in work and to not raise their children? Why is that promoted? Why are men? You know, why is it promoted for men to be you know more feminine? Why are these things promoted? What, what are they trying to achieve? And wallah, depending on how far you want to go with conspiracy theories, you will see like a lot of like really really dodgy stuff. And it's not stuff wallah. It's so far fetched. Yani that space is a simulation. Okay, we're not talking about those types of conspiracy theories. We're talking about real things that are proven, real things that are there, real things that are like smacking you in the face, but no one's paying attention. And from from the agendas today is the breakup of the family. Why? We spoke about this previously. You break up the family, you don't have as much influence as parents over the children. Who does? The governments or the people that want to push agendas. That's very very. very that's a very dangerous concept. Very dangerous concept. Um, you know the the educational system. And how slowly but surely they're impacting even what private schools can teach. Part of the reason you got Catholic schools and Jewish schools and Islamic schools is because there are certain principles that they want to push to like-minded families. You know, a, a family who's Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever it may be, they want their children to learn certain values. If I put them in the public school system, they're going to learn what the public school system teaches. There's a push. No, get rid of this. We don't want them. Or even if they're in Islamic schools, we're going to enforce what we want. Or if they're in public schools, from you know freedom of religion, they get scripture. Okay, that's their right that they get scripture in those schools. People want to push that away. They know if they want religious studies, let them go to uh, a religious school. These things are very dangerous concepts. Why are they being pushed? Um, uh, you know, notions of you know how a person should look, how a woman should look. I don't know about you, but I don't know many women that can look like what is portrayed in you know, movies and shows. Why are they pushing that, you know, this is how a woman should be? And then what does that cause as consequences? What does that cause for the rest of humanity in terms of what's acceptable, in terms of fun and enjoyment? There are a billion ways to have halal fun, a billion ways and more. Why are we focusing on the 10, 15, 20 ways which are only in haram? Why are we focusing on that? Why is that agenda being pushed on our young teenage girls? Why is there so much pressure for them to be a certain way? Act a certain way, speak a certain way. Why is there so much pressure on them? What do the corruptors, what do they want to achieve? At the end of it, what do they want to achieve? If we start with Iblis, who's you know, the number one corruptor, in the middle of Hezbollah, you call him Let's just start there. And that, that should be enough for us. You know, Iblis, Shaitan, Allah SWT says that he very he wants to call his, his people, his party, to be from the dwellers of the hellfire. And if you know. If you know that Iblis wants you to take wants to take you to the hellfire, what's your job? So he's recruiting in other ways. In you, other your words, job yeah. is to say, no, no, thank you very much. I Keep appreciate the, way, the offer, yeah. but thanks, no thanks. That should be your job. That it's should be your response. To take him as an enemy. As... That's right. Verily, Satan is to you an enemy, so take him as an enemy. And when have you seen uh, an army or an opponent facing his enemy and they're like, you know what? Whatever you told me to do, I'm going to do Oh, you, this is where my safety is going to be. This is how I'm going to win the war. Okay, I'm going to go here. This is how I'm going to be happy. This is how I'm going to you know, restock my ammunition. This is how I'm going to get my provisions again. You know what? I'm going to go here. You know that's your enemy. You know your enemy wants to deceive you. You know your enemy wants to kill you. You know your enemy wants to defeat you. Why would you just follow your enemy? If I know Allah SWT is telling me this. That goes back to learning your religion. Allah SWT is telling me this. And shaitan wants me to go to the hellfire. So he's going to tell me the opposite. He's going to tell me the opposite. Why would I leave the path of Allah to follow the path of shaitan? 
because it's beautified. Hold on a second. This is where your brains come in. This is where your intellect comes in. It's where Allah gave you these, gave you these abilities, gave you these blessings for you to say, is shaitan going to come to me? Ahlan wa sahlan. Thank you very much for sitting in the interview. Uh, thank you for your time. I just want you to know that, look, my plan is to take you to the whole fire. And along the way, I'm going to make your life as hard as possible. Many people would say if that was the offer, thanks, I appreciate your offer, but I'm going to go with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't do that. The shaitan beautifies the actions. He beautifies it for you. Prophet, uh, the Prophet said that Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, he beautified or he surrounded the hellfire with desires, shahawat. This is something that you're going to want to follow. But you have been given the knowledge, you have been given the senses to understand that this is a path of destruction, this is incorrect. I need to follow the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And me following the shaitan or anything that opposes the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is enough. And that's very dangerous. We're not doing that. If shaitan wants you to go to the whole fire, why are you following him if you don't want to go there? The, again, uh, agendas in terms of like the left and yani the far left, talking about the far left, and what they're promoting. Yani you know, for example, in all of the kids' movies today, there's always you know, uh, a character from certain orientations. Okay, so we say in a nice way. You know they're trying to push certain agendas. There's like a flag in the background or there's a character that's a little bit strange or uh, sometimes there's parents that aren't traditional parents. Okay. Why? Why are they, why are they pushing that agenda? Do, do those people want you to be good and upright? Do those people want any goodness for you? Do those people want you to be religious? In every move that we watch, Yani the young boy, for example, again, let's say 13, 14, 15 years old, goes behind the house with the other girl who's 13, 14, 15 years old, and they share their first kiss, for example. Tell you're a kid watching that. What are, what are you going to what are you going to do? What are you going to try when you're a teenager? What do you think is going to be normal? What do you think is going to be cool? What do you think is going to be a way to show your emotions to someone? What do you think they're trying to achieve? Do they think they want that 13, 14, 15-year-old to be righteous and upright and modest and chaste? Or you think they're slowly paving the way for corruption? The musicians. Yani how much more Illuminati symbols do you want? How much more yani demonic symbols do you want? Look how they start a, a person off, make them acceptable to the people, and then yani where they where they end up at the end of it. There are so many yani in your face, blatant demonic symbols in front of us. And then you know, one thing that's funny is how at the end of it, they tell you, like a lot of these people, they want to repent from what they were in or they want to leave what they're in or we know the private lives, like they get exposed on how they were and we just follow it and we just go along with it. You know these people aren't upright people. You know these people aren't chaste people. They're not honorable people. They're not religious people. Why are you following in their footsteps? What are they trying to achieve? Okay, so you need to be very, 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 very careful in understanding why they're doing what they're doing and feel not to just be a, simply, a simple blind follower of them very yeah, dangerous very very important know your enemy take him as an enemy and prepare and fortify yourself with iman from your enemy and do that which goes against the plans and plotting of your enemy and as we said before it's linked directly to our way of life Islam to submit and surrender and practice our religion Sheikh Nassim moving on do we have any, any more the third solutions the last one is stay away from negative influences stay yeah. away from negative influences you can say environment your environment 
this is so broad. Again, we, as we mentioned, we, we purposely left these to be so broad so that you can understand these are principles that you apply no matter what situation you're in. What's a negative influence? Anything that pushes you towards bad, whether it's friends, whether it's institutions, whether it's places that you live, whether it's uh, movies or TV shows that you're watching, whether it's books that you're reading, whether it's a workplace that you're going to be in, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. Anything that is a negative influence in your life, stay away from. Just some quick examples. Your friends. Maybe you're a good person. Maybe you're an upright person. Maybe you want to be chaste, chaste and upright and modest, etc., etc., etc. But you have friends that are constantly doing bad things. What do you think is going to eventually rub off on you? That bad's going to rub off of you, like it or not. That's why we have good friends and we have bad friends taught to us in Islam. You know, the perfume seller. Uh, if he's going to give you perfume or you're going to at least smell a good scent directly or indirectly you're going to benefit or the blacksmith if he's going to burn your clothes or you're going to leave there smelling bad directly or indirectly you're going to be affected by the good or the bad so you need to be very careful sahib, sahib. the uh, things that you watch you know you're you're taking in all of this if you're a 15 year old girl 13 year old girl 14 year old girl and you're watching shows about you know, your loves and dating and breakup and cheating and with this guy and with that guy and beautifying yourself and sexting and all of these types of things, what do you think you're going to take as a norm? You're going to take that as a norm. And worse than that, the, the programs that actually attack the aqidah of, of Then of you the got, Muslim. yeah, a, a lot more like, oh, girl in hijab, taking off her hijab or doing things behind her parents' back or yani, shows which are blatant kufr, ayyadhan billah. Uh, you need to be very careful. Uh, if you're, for example, a married woman, when you listen you know, to people talk about, oh, wallah, being single is the best thing in the world, Brother, please. Being simple is the best thing in the world. Guys, look at her reality. Don't look at her 30-second TikTok video. Go look at her reality. The girl's you know, slitting her wrists. The girl's on antidepressants. The girl's drinking herself you know, to sleep every single night. The girl, okay, now, yeah, maybe she's 25 years old, 29 years old. She's living the best life. Give another 10 years, see where she's going to be. See where they're going to be when they're 40 years old and they've got literally no one around them. No one is physically attracted to them anymore because, khalas, why would I go after a 40-year-old woman when I've got, for example, 20-year-old women that I can go after? I'm not physically attracted to her anymore. And then her friends are all married and busy with their lives. And she's got no one. Her parents have passed away. Her brothers and sisters have lived their own lives because there was no family unit. She's there by herself, 40 years old, 45 years old. You think that's a life that you want to live? Please, don't fall, for, don't fall victim to this stuff. But you have many sisters, you know, they're following influencers or watching videos where they're praising being single or praising um, uh, not having children or praising uh, not having responsibilities. And they've unfortunately they're going after that. It could be um, certain, uh, you know, counselors or psychologists, you know, or life coaches that are telling people to do things which are anasamic. They're saying, oh, you know, for you to be happy, you need to look after you. You need to worry about you. Don't worry about everyone else. You've given already to so many people. Now it's time to focus on you. All of this type of rhetoric. Hold on a second. Islam never said neglect yourself. We're not worried at all about giving yourself your rights, getting good sleep, having good fun, being nutritional, uh, having uh, you know good friends and family, etc. But not at the expense where you start to neglect your rights and responsibilities. This is a big problem. This is a massive problem. Um, you know, making divorce easy. Someone could be uh, part of that. You know, the group that you're around. Uh, you know, your husband. Oh, uh, he doesn't. You know, paint your toenails. Divorce him. Yeah. You know, your your husband he um, doesn't you know, bath the kids. He doesn't shower the kids. He doesn't make their lunches in the morning while you sleep in. Divorce him. 
you know, your husband he doesn't send you you know messages throughout the day divorce him hold on a second yani why who when what for this is the reality that we live why bad influences bad influences people need to be very careful you can't live with the husband who doesn't pay your town can yeah, you no, yeah what a loss it's that rough. is it's rough that's rough that's rough that's rough, rough. <laughs> that's tough <laughs> Move on, girl. Move on. <laughs> These are some of the things. Again, obviously, where there's a is exaggeration there. It's obvious now, but the concept remains that if he's not like a slave to you, then you know you hear some, you read some comments of some of these sisters' groups like, "Oh, you still, uh, you know, leave the dog." <laughs> like, what, the heck? <laughs> what did he do? I mean, is he bashing you every day? Like, is that what it is? You know, for you to talk in like such a manner, is he like stealing your money? Is he like cheating on you? Okay, these are, like big things. No there are big things that need to be addressed straight away. But sometimes a small thing, you know, leave the dog, you'll find a million others. Like, I mean, that that yeah, type of language, just, I know yeah. it may sound funny yeah. in certain areas, that's like yeah. normal language, yeah. but that's... It's not. It's not, it's not appropriate, it's not appropriate it's not at appropriate. all. So these are negative influences. Okay, it could be the environment that you live. It could be the area. Yani, subhanAllah, there's been like reverts. They've, even in Sydney, they lived in certain areas where there weren't many Muslims. They moved from those areas to more Muslim populated areas because it was easier for them to implement their religion. This is from what I remember before they even you know, knew about concept of hijra, etc. But it was just too hard to implement your religion over there. I know people from like different states or different cities. I'm not going to say which states or which cities. <laughs> so no one gets upset. Him, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all our brothers and sisters in Melbourne. We love Melbourne. This wasn't, it wasn't about them. This what I'm going to say next. But definitely you do see some differences in different uh, in all different cities and states. Some of them, they're like completely, 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 completely different from what Islam says. Okay, to put it in a nice way. Islam says, okay, we want someone to be like this. They are the polar opposite in their dress, their speech, their likes, etc., etc., etc. It's a big problem. It's a massive issue. But why are they like that? Because they grew up in certain areas. So your environment is very, very, very important. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your wife. It's going to affect your husband. It's going to affect... So when you live in certain areas, it's going to affect you. You know that, no, I should make my environment as Islamic as possible. Be very careful. Uh, it could be an institute that you go to, a certain school that you go to. It could be a certain university that you go to. If you know that Islam there is going to be very hard for you to implement, it's going to be very hard for you to have positive influences, then that's a place that you move away from. That's a place that you leave. It could be a workplace. Maybe you have a workplace that's not conducive to your environment. You know, Everyone is talking about very bad things. Everyone's doing very bad things on weekends. It's very bad. Like, you know, it's very bad. Stay away from it because, again, you're going to be affected. Whatever is a negative influence, stay away from it. Stay away from it because slowly but surely, it's going to push you towards further and further and further corruption. Yes, there's going to, especially in the societies that we live, there's going to be a level where you can never avoid. There's going to be a level of corruption, a level of bad that you can never avoid. That's, fear Allah as much as you can. Feel Allah as much as you can. But when you know there's a very bad environment and you know that you can avoid it and there's a better alternative, go for that better alternative. Otherwise, your religion is going to be very hard for you to implement and slowly but surely you're going to be influenced to accept the bad and the wrong and you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. The, the majority of people that have a big issue from what we've said uh, throughout, they only got to that stage because of the negative influences in their life. This is not the person's fitrah. A person's natural disposition is not to be like that. But it was bad friends, bad school, bad university, bad workplace, you know, uh, bad uh, 
intake of like media and the like, that is what led them to the where they are in their life today. So right. from the solutions again, to learn and implement your religion properly, just ask yourself from my day to day life, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me? And to follow that. And if you're struggling with that, that very, very, very simple aspect, then go back to the beginning of your iman and make sure that the beginning of your iman is strong. Who is Allah? Who is what is Islam? What is the Quran? Who is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? My belief in them. Strengthen your belief in them, and inshallah, Azza wa Jalla, you'll be able to build upon that. Number two, understand when you're doing bad acts, what what's the end goal? What are they trying to achieve? Who is the one promoting this bad, and what do they want to achieve at the end of it? Know your enemy, in other words, yeah. Know your enemy. Uh, number three, avoid negative influences. People don't go from you know zero to one hundred straight away. Very rare. There's a uh, a process. There are steps that someone wants you to follow, and it's, and this is part of the tricks of shaitan. And slowly but surely, you start following that path, you end there. That's what Allah says. Uh, don't follow the footsteps of shaitan. Because no. eventually you get to where the shaitan wants you to get to. At the beginning, it might seem very innocent and okay, but then eventually, you end up exactly where the shaitan wants you to be. So what do you do? What the first ay- beginning of the ayah said, Udkhulu fi Enter into Islam completely. Submit, surrender. Do your best to be upright. Do your best to be religious. Ask Allah to make you firm and to make you sincere and for you to live and die upon that and to forgive you for your shortcomings. And inshallah, Azza wa Jal, through those very simple steps, with continued effort, uh, you'll be from the successful in this life and the hereafter. Barakallah, Fiqh Sheikh Nassim, for this very beneficial series. I'd like to thank you for, for presenting these 11 parts. And I'd like to thank our team, our tech team, and all the brothers and sisters who tuned in. But before we conclude, and a few days ago, we had an interesting uh, meeting in, in the area, in your area anyway. Yes, sir. I was uh, surprised that you got there, alhamdulillah. You don't really like coming down that way. I know you. Maybe you we feel in our, we're feeling our listeners. We, we're farewelling one of our mashayikh and dua. Um, and, you know, a brother hosted him in his house. And it just happened to be in the Busby area, your hometown, your neck of the woods. One straight away from my house, alhamdulillah. It was. It, it, was, it, was, so, it was serene. It, it was beautiful. It was tough. It was it's know, very it's, very scenic in um, yeah. Busby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I'm surrounded by people from Busby because just so you, I don't know if you know, our producer, our tech man, originates from Busby as well. Yeah, but to me, he's a bit of a sellout. He, he, like, he left yeah, the area. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. him. When, when you leave... Was, he didn't when like you, the scene. You, you, is your wife's family from these areas? Is that why? Is it, yeah, he's JV. <laughs> uh, look, when a person leaves Liverpool, يعني, yeah, there's, it's like they got no pride. Can, in where can you enlighten our listeners on the message I sent you as soon as I left? Do you remember? Uh, it's only a few days ago. I've got, to, I've got to go back to it, but you weren't, you weren't very happy of being there. I think you were happier to leave. You did say <laughs> it was truly beautiful, amazing views and scenery. <laughs> before, nothing, that, oh, before that, sorry, nothing like leaving Busby. <laughs> it was a very, very, uh, very like, beautiful drive. At least, parking, at least we got parking on the streets. Yes. Alhamdulillah, you can park wherever you want. You got trees yani, everywhere. Alhamdulillah. I love the housing commission you houses got, there. You got parking. You do have some house housing commissions. But Alhamdulillah, they usually, nowadays they're occupied by decent people. Alhamdulillah. Uh, in previous times, it used to actually be Millard, so down the road. We grew up in the houses as well, so yeah, there's no, the nothing most, wrong with being from the houses, so we don't get yeah. attacked Again, by those. Yeah, you're going to get attacked, 100%. Uh, Miller used to be the most disadvantaged area in Sydney, officially. And that was, of course, like they had everyone down there. They've got a tape and, and it, was, it was pretty bad, yeah. It was pretty bad. Now, Alhamdulillah, they got uh, rid of a lot of the really bad people, and they've put like a lot more better people. 
and say alhamdulillah it's not as it's not as bad alhamdulillah and there is a taif there <laughs> <laughs> people are learning it was a beautiful gathering the other day may Allah reward those brothers a uh, beautiful gathering beautiful people uh, may Allah bless them all Amen, ya any final words Sheikh Nasim? Uh, again like, like we've said throughout the series this is um, this is an important topic and it shouldn't be something that's belittled and the reality is whether you like it or not we're stuck in the tide whether we like it or not we're, we're stuck in the rip the rip is taking us out and we don't know where we're going to end up and it takes a conscious effort for a person to remove himself out of that. Everyone's sleepwalking into destruction. That's the reality. Everyone's sleepwalking into destruction. This has become the the normal way of living. What all of the, the problems that we spoke about. This is the normal way of living. So it takes any educated, proper, mature efforts for us to remove ourselves out of it, and to do our best to call others also away from this path. Otherwise, yani. The consequences that we mentioned are only going to continue and get worse, Ayyadan Billah. And they will get worse, but we don't want to be another victim of that. Allah protect us. Uh, and as we said previously, to truly understand this whole uh, topic, please watch the 11 parts and then judge the series by watching five minutes and then criticizing us, as some have done. And others have actually thanked us for presenting this, this topic. Uh, and have actually watched the whole series. So that's what we advise our brothers and sisters and our dear listeners, wherever you may be from. We don't mind if you send us some criticism, some constructive criticism or feedback. And inshallah, we will try to reply and get back to it um, if Allah gives us the ability to do so. So please watch the whole series. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Plenty of new programs coming up. And inshallah, we will be having some new programs, maybe a new set out as well. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. Once again, I'd like to thank you, Barakallah Fiq, and I'd like to thank all our brothers and sisters. Barakallah Fiqum, and until next time, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.